You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller. Welcome to the last CoinGeek Conversation of 2019. It's going to be a festive edition, looking back on what's happened this year and what we can expect in 2020. And I'm joined by two special guests, Chloe Tartan and Jack Davis from Enchain, which is the Bitcoin and blockchain development company here in London. Thanks very much for joining me. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we're going to be taking a look at some interesting moments from people we've heard from this year who are all working in different capacities on Bitcoin SV. So, Chloe, do you want to kick us off? Who are we going to see first? Yeah, so I've gone for a, a clip from Jack Liu uh, from Elix. Um, it's a little interesting uh, comment he made on the visions of the future. Right. And Jack, also the organiser of the Cambrian SV boot camp in Bali, which I went to where he got a whole bunch of developers together to see what they could do in a week. Let's, let's have a word from Jack Liu. I think in the future, if someone notices that you haven't made 100 transactions in a day, they might call the police and look for you. Right, because it's, it's like your heart's not beating or something like that. Because just by living, you are going to be making transactions. Hmm, big claim. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I think it's pretty spot on. That's, really? the, that's the direction that, that the world is going in. I mean, whether you're involved in Bitcoin or blockchain or not, um, with sort of Internet of Things booming, artificial intelligence, Technology is becoming so integrated in our lives mm. in some way or another. Um, and obviously our work is to do with sort of transactions on the blockchain. And, and we can see that over time, we, you know, we're confident that, that it will be adopted and um, immersed in a way that it could tell you if someone's alive or not. I mean, why Do you not? go along with that, Jack? <laughs> I think it's a vision that's quite a long way in the future, potentially. But uh, at the same time, who are we to kind of second guess where, where this is all going. Um, I think he's definitely right in saying that, you know, a big part of Bitcoin being this kind of fusion of money and data. Um, and, and everyone says data is the new oil, so there's going to be a whole kind of range of new use cases for different types of data, data that isn't being captured currently, um, and or data that is being captured currently but isn't being effectively commoditized and monetized. So he says there are things like uh, your heart not beating. He's kind of referring to the kind of, I suppose, uh, your, your smart watches that take your health data. And kind of, I imagine the next stage for that kind, of, uh, that kind of application is going to be using that health data and allowing each user to commoditize it for themselves. Because there's, there's this new phrase, surveillance capitalism, which we've heard this year. I mean, it is quite intrusive, potentially, isn't it? It is, but then, you know, you can think of it in another regard, which is, can you remember the last day you didn't use the internet? I mean, it's it's become such an integral part of our lives that actually to be able to use it to your own benefit in ways that Jack's describing, you know, for example, to monitor health data without sort of, it's, it's, it's a process of automation, right? Um, and I think because our lives are so heavily integrated with the internet, then it's, it's a matter of time. But I guess the, the, the USP of the, the Bitcoin SV blockchain route, as opposed to what we have now, is that in theory one has control over the information about yourself. Is exactly, right? yeah. I mean, you have to think that all of these things are already happening in a, in a different format in the sense that, you know, social media has become a huge part of our lives and, and with that there is so much information 
online that's not regulated and it has led to a lot of problems that's in the public eye. I mean, you know, often these things are reported on the news where it's sort of distracted people's lives. So to be able to to control that information and ensure its integrity and authenticity with something like BSV, and that's essentially what it offers, um, is incredibly powerful and it solves a problem that exists today rather than creating a new one. Exactly. Well, let's move on to our next... uh clip shall we jack what have, what have you picked for us to see now yeah so uh, we've got a clip of uh, stefan nielsen from unisot uh talking about kind of why build on bsv in particular and kind of what why whether why is it the best choice for for people uh, who are currently looking to build in this blockchain based kind of future great let's have a look at that it's still a mystery to me that that so many smart educated people are are still using BTC or, or, or Hyperledger or, or Ethereum and they are not looking into what actually is available today. Scaling, security, instant transactions and everything that, that we have currently today in our system. Right, so what do you make of that then, Jack? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's an interesting point kind of addressing the fact that there are so many different blockchains and uh, things that claim to be blockchains uh, competing as projects for for new use cases and applications, um, and this kind of fact that, that on a, in a technical sense, um, you, most developers you think would, would jump at the chance to use uh, a scalable blockchain, basically a blockchain that can handle massive throughput of data, um, and is going to be cheap to use, low fees for, for everyone. I think it's, it's kind of a it's, it's almost a, an indictment of the last ten years of how the community has developed in the sense that we're still trying to educate uh, even developers on on how on, on what the best kind of way to, 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 to use blockchain is um, and the fact that the, the, we haven't even reached the, the level of trying to get this into the hands of users necessarily we're still trying to say you know directing uh, talented people the people building on ethereum uh, and other and other blockchains trying to direct that talent towards uh, a blockchain that's still going to be here in 10 years is kind of um it's, it's one of the main challenges we're facing still mm. Mm. so i take that um as a kind of reminder that we do need to focus more on public outreach there's a lot of Um, misconceptions about Bitcoin um, and in fact a lot of the blockchains Um, so it's important of course we need the users and we need to make it usable um, which is everything that we're that we're working on especially at Enchain but if the education isn't available to the general public to understand how can I use this you know what what is it how can I use it Um, then you know, then we have a problem. I mean, Stefan Nelson is working in sort of the big business end of things, isn't he? Supply chains for industry and stuff. I mean, in that sense, it's the person in the street doesn't really need to understand what's going on behind the scenes, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely right. It's kind of the, the enterprise um, corporate kind of education is one of the, the areas that has basically been lacking or quality of education. I think one of the reasons I have almost some sympathy with people, you know, the people he refers to as uh, building on other other blockchain implementations uh, and not you know realizing the potential of, of BSV right now um, is because the amount the, the quantity of information out there is huge. You know, you, you Google uh, blockchain and how do I use it uh, as someone who is a specialist in your own business and you're bombarded with people trying to sell you things and people uh, trying to sell you these grand visions of, of things that aren't necessarily scalable or aren't necessarily going to be uh, viable for, for their use case. The kind of the quality of that education needs to massively increase. I think. For, for I mean, I think leaders. better than any amount of education will be one fantastic example like Unisot working yeah. in industry in a big way, and that will 
be a sort of magnet for everything else yeah. probably. I think I think we're just one big business use case from, away from that happening, kind of the, the penny drop moment for all that, I think. Yeah, and obviously on a, on a local scale, so um, you can still have an impact and, and, and extend your message to sort of other, um, other industries. Um, so, for example, we've set up a women in blockchain and STEM uh, sort of committee at, at Nchain, and we'll be doing, uh, hence the, the Girl Power T-shirt, <laughs> um, and we'll be doing... Um, some some meetups a couple of uh, sort of two or three times a year with mm-hmm. external sort of with the general public people who are not already in exactly the exactly exactly because yeah. exactly. you know it is a small community and mm. I think that we're all kind of set on the vision we're all believers of it um, and so now it's it's a matter of just explaining that to others and whether it's mm. you know the, the general public or whether it's enterprises I mean it's yeah. it doesn't hurt spreading no. spreading the message sure now Chloe let's take a look at our next uh, contestant who have you picked so i've gone for matt dixon from bitboss bitboss which is a gaming company Correct. right let's have a look at matt there's 10 million slot machines in the world they all run on a, a common protocol and we can easily route cryptocurrency or tokens on and off slot machines um, and we hope to replace the ticketing system that when you're at a slot machine you hit cash out you don't get cash anymore. You don't get coins. You get a paper ticket. And we think that BSV is the ideal replacement for that. So Bitcoin SV and gaming. Yeah. So um, I think there's kind of two uh, streams of thought that I took from that. Um, one is obviously the concept of the, sort of the power that comes with tokens, tokenizing assets. And obviously in the gaming industry, um, this is incredibly powerful across the across the board from the sense of auditing uh, from the operators in, in, in the businesses through to the users who want to have sort of instant redemption of their funds and who want to be able to um, sort of play across different gaming platforms. But also, obviously, he talks about there being sort of this one um, underlying protocol, so, you know, for the way slot machines work. And, and this is, my interpretation of that is that it all comes down to this sort of randomness, varying degrees of randomness beneath that and some of the work we've been doing at Enchain with uh, Jack and I have been um, sort of generating randomness in a provably fair way and ensuring that it's a transparent um, game. So, so that, that sort of principle could be applied to any kind of gambling, not just slot machines or... Exactly, exactly. And it's incredibly powerful and the fact that we can do that on something like the blockchain, which is the sort of unified source of truth and, and apply that to any game. At the, ba- at the base level, it, it's kind of uh, cost-cutting and, and efficiency-saving that blockchain can basically mm. give these people. Um, and one of the things that kind of chimes me is what Matt says is one protocol for all slot machines. Um, and that's exactly the kind of philosophy, right? It's, it's uh, one solid plumbing for, for all these other applications that, mm. that come off it. If all the slot machines in the world have their own bespoke protocols underlie them, um, then you're not going to be able to implement efficient slot machines. If you're implementing uh, things off a blockchain, you can't have multiple different options. You can't have things changing all the time. I know, Chloe, you were at the Sigma Gaming Conference in Malta. Well, I mean, there is a massive industry. And if Bitcoin SV could get a, a toehold in that, mm-hmm. it could be incredible, couldn't it? In, in a relatively short time, I would have uh, thought. Absolutely. Um, what was really exciting at Sigma was to see uh, the sort of the hunger for more information about how BSV and Bitcoin can be integrated into existing gaming platforms. Um, there's obviously a, 
an urge for having more transparency in in existing platforms but also you have to remember this is one one of the most regulated industries um, they've got a lot of uh, pressure on in terms of sort of auditing uh, licenses a lot of a lot of money goes towards reg uh, ensuring regulatory compliance so if you can present a solution to the industry not only with a way to to keep obviously users happy but also to to cut down costs to ensure efficiency as Jack was saying then you know, it's a win-win for both part for both parties. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay. Well, now let's move on to the next clip. And uh, Jack, who have we got next? Uh, we've got Lise Lee talking about China. I think in China, you know, maybe over half of the global big blockchain companies based in China, especially those mining companies, mining pools. So in China, it's quite active. Like university students and um, some companies and also a lot of developers they also use their part-time to do try to do some blockchain projects right so china that's uh, <laughs> a lot of possibilities i think yeah not a small topic to talk about um <laughs> yeah i think it's uh we've almost got to watch out uh, everyone who isn't in china for, for kind of the amount of development we've seen and, and will see in the future i mean uh, a good example being the MetaNet. Um, kind of, we, we released the, uh, sort of some documentation on that earlier this year, um, and then within a few months, there's there's multiple applications coming out of China using it. People like Rate SV putting uh, financial pairs in MetaNet trees, mm. um, and then you have people like BitMesh bringing out these uh, these kind of complex uh, email type systems, um, and bringing out their own kind of APIs and SDKs for for these things. So the kind of rate of building uh, in China is quite impressive. And Which is kind of odd because another thing that Lee said in that interview is about the difficulty of actually acquiring mm. any kind of cryptocurrency in China. Mm. And I, I wonder whether maybe with Bitcoin SV we're onto a good thing because making an app is sort of not the same as mm. currency trading. Yeah, it's kind of proving that point about the reason for BSV and the roadmap is utility. It's make, it creates mm. utility. Uh, as a payment system uh, for data uh, in general and then for applications using that data. So, so, so in a way, the more discouraging China is about cryptocurrency, the bigger the opportunity for BSV, perhaps. <laughs> it's one way of looking at it. <laughs> I don't know. Essentially, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of, a lot of mining, as, as Lee said as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of, there's, uh, it's, 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 it kind of proves this point that there's so many business models uh, to be building things and making money from uh, using a public blockchain. I mean, mining, mining just one classic example that is, is huge in China, and now the applications market becoming like a, the secondary layer of that, I suppose. Yeah, no, I just really like that, again, blockchain for me stands for financial inclusion. And, uh, and it doesn't matter where in the world you are, what market you're trying to tap into, it still stands for that. And, and BSV enables that through... Um, in, in, it's a more colourful way, let's say, of financial inclusion, because as we're saying, you know, it's it's not just crypto. We're, we're dealing with a, a much more enriched um, sort of platform of, of having this data and money coupled together and, and amazing things coming out of it. So do you think you two will be uh, off to Beijing a lot next year? <laughs> sure. Yeah, they won't, they won't no. flights, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Great. OK, so Chloe, who's who's up next? Uh, so next is Lorian Gamaroff from Sempi. Great, let's have a look. I mean, that's what inspired me about Bitcoin, is that it was this 
this um, technology that can literally make the world a better place. And uh, you can see it there in 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 Africa. It's it's tangible. You know, we have currencies that are failing, and we have high costs of moving money. Uh, uh, you know, financial services that are inaccessible. So uh, it's almost I don't know how anyone cannot see the opportunity there to help a huge number of people with with Bitcoin. Right. So from China to Africa, <laughs> more big opportunities, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love what Sempi are doing in South Africa. Um, I think that, as I said, blockchain for me stands for financial inclusion, and that's something that they're obviously tapping into. The whole concept of banking the unbanked is so exciting and so powerful. Um, I, from a personal level, have spoken to friends, one in, in Nigeria who works for an investment bank, and you know, hearing about how this bank is supposed to be helping sort of those that are less fortunate um, to be able to bank, um, and then saying that, you know, the corruption is just unreal and, and there's nothing mm. that they can do about it. For example, the IT team, you know, they're there to sort of, they've got a budget to, to buy new computers and they'll just reservice the old ones and pocket the money. Mm. And, 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 you know, it, you hear stories like this and then you hear people who are living that every day and then they say, well, there's there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, well, Lorien has really lived through it and the inflation in Zimbabwe and everything. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, interesting, he was saying, you know, the volatility in a cryptocurrency is nothing when you've experienced some, that, that kind of inflation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What Lorien said there and everything Sempi are doing is probably the best advertisement for the roadmap of BSV, right? The kind of, we want this to be a system that can cater for the globe, that can cater for... Uh, not just the future data applications for blockchains, but for everyone in the world to be using for payments as well. So I think, yeah, exactly what Lorian is doing is a huge boost for, for, for BSV. Yeah, because, I mean, it's interesting, we're talking about the big businesses, mm. but this is a, an opportunity where, at the sort of smaller end of things, the whole system could take off, I think, really. Yeah, I think this thing only works if it can handle the volume of the world, right? I mean, that's, that's what we're aiming for. It's meant to be global peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash, not just for one use case or, or jurisdiction. Mm. And, and let's not forget that, you know, as much as this will help, helps in um, sort of a governance way, uh, bring sort of power back to users' hands, as, as, as we say with the peer-to-peer -peer system, there are also incredible social and environmental implications of this technology. You know, it's it's so much more powerful than than you might realise. It's and there's a lot of misconceptions that um, Bitcoin, let's say from the proof of work angle, it's bad for you know for energy consumption. Uses up a lot of electricity. Exactly, um, and although that might be the case, there are counter arguments that actually, if you were to use it in situations, for example, to monitor supply chains. How much are you saving there? Mm. Um, I'm a big advocate of the circular economy, and I think that you need something like a global database and a, and, and a system that allows you to fully audit um, sort of the, any sort of movement of money or goods transparently um, in order to be able to, to create a circular economy. I mean, in a way, the difficulty, I think, is that in order to get to that point, I, I think it's a very plausible argument that in the end it will be saving energy. Mm -hmm. But you need to have a sort of almost a parallel system in place and working and using energy before you can sort of uh, stop using the, mm. the, the one we have at the moment. Yeah, I mean, look, nothing happens overnight. I'm sure that, you know, there, there are lots of people that are skeptical about, I don't know, the internet or mm. going to space. You know, it's 
these things do take time, but you've got to believe in the vision and you've got to also be an advocate for, for the good of, the, of certain technologies. And I think that that's exactly what Lorian's doing, and I'd like, mm. love to see more of that. Yeah. The reason Bitcoin even works as sound money is incentives. So if that incentive also incentivizes you to uh, create green energy and, and use green energy for, mm. for mining, then you know, that can only be leading in one direction, I think. So, Jack, we've got to our very last clip of the very last programme of the year, and um, I can see who you've picked, and uh, could, couldn't be more appropriate, but perhaps you'd like to introduce him. Yeah, so no surprise, the, the final clip this year, we couldn't do it without him, is uh, one from Craig Wright. Let's see what Craig has to say. It's all about power. This is what it all comes down to. See, what people don't understand is Bitcoin, with a stable protocol, takes away power. If no one can change the protocol, not me, not God, there's no power in money. For anyone who doesn't know, Dr. Craig Wright is the chief scientist of Enchain and as Satoshi Nakamoto, the inventor of Bitcoin. And I guess sort of your boss, Jack, right? Yeah, pretty so much. You've got to be a little bit careful here. But yeah, I don't want to lose my Tell us about now. Craig. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, for, I mean, there's kind of two points uh, I wanted to, the reasons why I picked that kind of clip to look at. Um, firstly being, uh, I, I mean, Craig says it's enough, but I, I really think Bitcoin is not about um, decentralization. A lot of people think that, you know, that's the reason that this thing works. And Craig has been banging on for a long time now about the fact that, that that's not really the point. Um, and one of the things, uh, another clip uh, from your show this year when Steve was talking about, um, Steve Shadows. Steve Shadows, yeah, our CTO, who's talking about Craig always being ahead of the curve, and we, we kind of cl uh, it kind of clicks in our minds a few months later. Um, and I feel like one of the, the main realizations I had this year listening to Craig was it's not necessarily that decentralization causes the good properties of, of Bitcoin and the blockchain. It's decentralization is, is, is an outcome of, of how the blockchain works. So you have this incentive mechanism that secures it. Um, and an artifact of that is decentralization. The fact that people are competing means that we should never centralize um, by definition. It's not the other way around. It's not, it needs to be decentralized to, to cause this. Um, the other thing I really like about that clip is he's, he's, he's kind of a meta commentary, I think, on himself. So he's saying uh, as this thing grows uh, and as, as the protocol becomes even more stable over time, um, there's, no, there's no one who has power in that system. No one is controlling it. And I think he's talking about himself there too. I think a lot of his detractors mm. would say, this is something contriving. I have, I've had Twitter trolls tell me that um, you know, it's all controlled by one man type thing. And he's telling you uh, in these interviews, and, and, and he's said it a number of times, once this thing scales and, 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 and the bigger it gets, the, the less power any one player has in this. And mm. there's no way, um, you know, he's, he's, again, what Steve said previously in an interview, he wants to make himself replaceable. I think Craig is quite similar in saying, I don't want this to be about me. I want it to be about everyone, basically. And I think, you know, let's be clear, when we say that the power will sort of be gone, we mean the power will come back to the user. Mm. You know, right. it's, it's not that no one has any power, it's that you each individually have your own power. And that's what's so um, powerful about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, thank you both very much. Um, I've got your Christmas present hidden under the table. Oh my word. And it is a wonderful 
Bitcoin SV branded power bank to keep your oh, phone going. Thank you very much. Thank you. But, to um, make sure that everyone knows I'm alive. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Do your transactions. The SV increases power apparently now. Yeah, yeah. So thank you very much indeed. My thanks to uh, Chloe Tartan and Jack Davis of Enchain. And um, if you don't already subscribe to CoinGeek Conversations, please do start subscribing. Although we will be off until the middle of January now. Please enjoy whatever festivities you have planned for the coming weeks. And thanks very much for listening. And uh, until 2020, goodbye for now. Tickets are now on sale for the CoinGeek Conference at London's Old Billingsgate on February the 20th and 21st next year. There are special early bird prices if you book before the 23rd of December on the website coingeekconference.com. So don't miss out.